We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Theo Ash YouTube videos. This is kind of the first longer form one that I've done here on the Stay Hot YouTube channel. And today I'm going to be talking about how I would give out the big awards, whether that be MVP, Defensive Rookie of the Year, all of those, all those good stuff. And we've talked about it as the season has gone on on the podcast, how we're feeling about some of them. So you might know kind of where I'm at with some of these, but I'm going to get a chance to kind of explain some of my logic. So without further ado and without a big intro, I will get right into it. And I'll start with Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think that Jamar Chase kind of ran away with this towards the end of the season. And really, I don't think he ever lost it. I know Mac Jones beat him in the odds around the middle of the season, but to me, Jamar Chase was playing at near an all-pro level all season. Obviously, my infamous Bengals prediction, where I got everything about the team wrong, kind of hinged on the fact that they were just not creating explosives last year. Um, There was really not one downfield shot that got hit. You add Chase to the mix, and all of a sudden, they're the most explosive offense in the NFL, right? And most of those big plays went to Chase. A disproportionate amount. It wasn't like, a, like Boyd had got his, T. Higgins got his, but especially at the beginning of the season, it was all Jamar Chase. And he totally changed that offense. And that to me is good enough to not only win, you know, offensive rookie of the year, but to make Pro Bowls, um, to be considered, you know, second team All Pro or first team All Pro, like that is a special, special thing for a wide receiver to do. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Stefan Diggs when he went to the Bills, right? Josh Allen's accuracy was a little bit all over the place. You get this All Pro level wide receiver, and all of a sudden, his greatest weakness became a strength. And you know, a lot of that is just him improving, but a lot of that is also just having a connection with a with an elite guy who can make you look better. And I think Burrow, you know, he did a lot of work this offseason to generate more velocity on his throws. But a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, Chase giving him that option as well. Love the season he had. And I wouldn't hesitate to vote him, you know, Pro Bowl. All Pro might be a little tough, but second team, sure. So that's Offensive Rookie of the Year. Next, we'll go to Defensive Rookie of the Year. And I think this one's also pretty obvious. It's Micah Parsons. That guy came into the league as, you know, an inside linebacker who could rush the passer. He could if he really needed to. And he was good at it in college, but it's like, you know, is this just going to be a special thing, like a package thing, send him maybe a little bit more than average? No. Micah Parsons, outside of just being a middle linebacker, 
was also maybe the most effective edge rusher in football. I mean, you look at the almighty pass rush win rate chart. I mean, he's right there at the top. His pressure rate, his efficiency, the 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 the, the clip at which he was beating left tackles and the array of moves he was using to do it. I mean, he got a, he his burst is such that he can just, you know, explode around the edge and just beat guys with his speed, but his hand play was good. I mean, his bull rushes were good. He, I mean, he was going through offensive linemen. He was mugging up the A gap, you know, sorting out, you know, the mess and, and getting through. It was in all sorts of ways he was affecting the passer as a pass rusher. 13 sacks is what he ended up having. You think about that last year, TJ Watt led the league with 15 sacks. 13 doesn't seem like so much this year because so many edge rushers had like 19 sack seasons. But I mean, that's a crazy number. That's not far off from the all-time rookie sack record. So it's obviously him just on the strength of him being an edge rusher. Then you start to add in, okay, how many tackles for loss did he have? I mean, we just watched that 49ers playoff game. He was he was in tough shape on the sideline. He needed oxygen. He was banged up and he was still getting in the backfield, making tackles for, tackles for loss all game there. And he was doing it all season, just as a traditional off-ball linebacker. And then in coverage, that's where I was concerned about him when... He was at Penn State. You know, is he an elite linebacker prospect? He's not Fred Warner in coverage, right? Or at least in college, he was far from it. Um, but this year, he was fine. He was good. He didn't give up. He wasn't getting torched. He did what he needed to do there and was, in fact, above average, I think, in coverage. I, I can't recall watching many Cowboys games where it's like, man, they're picking up Micah Parsons right now. I can remember more examples of him making great athletic plays to break up the ball. So all phases of playing in the front seven, Micah Parsons excelled at. Again, I would consider him for Defensive Player of the Year in a year where, you know, I guess I shouldn't spoil it. In a year where something special didn't happen. I think I, he may have gotten my vote for Defensive Player of the Year um, in, a, in a different year, maybe. Uh, because of just, you know, the, that Cowboys defense was a joke. One of the worst in football last year. One of the best in football this year. Mike Parsons, not the only reason that happened, but a big part of it. Let's go with uh, maybe something a little bit more unexpected in Comeback Player of the Year. I don't love this award in general. Like... Alex Smith winning it last year kind of threw the precedence off because he didn't play well, but the fact that he came back at all was incredibly impressive. So, you know, with with the standards that we set last year, is it just who came back from the worst injury? But that's just a bad precedent. I think Alex Smith is kind of a special case, and I think we should look at comeback player of the year as like, who's a guy who, who was hurt last year and played really well? Like the get best player who overcame injury from last year or something. I don't know. It's just a weird award in its precedent. I, I don't love it. But for me, I think someone who missed all of last year and came back to be maybe a top three player in his position, however how you want to say it, I wouldn't argue. Nick Bosa. He is my comeback player of the year over the quarterbacks. He was arguably the best edge rusher in the NFC. He made the Pro Bowl easily, which Dak didn't do and Burrow didn't do. And I, I know that Pro Bowls aren't a great way to look at it, but I, I, I think that like it says something that he was, you know, picked and, and they weren't because for the majority of the season, Burrow's been on fire recently, just totally on fire. But I mean, Burrow wasn't like a total snub for the Pro Bowl when it happened, right? Like for the majority of the season, it wasn't like Burrow was this MVP candidate all year, but he really got hot at the end. So I, I think that he will win it um, based on kind of recency. But you look at Nick Bosa's resume this year, like 15 and a half sacks. Like I said, the league leader in sacks last year was TJ Watt and he had like 15. He led the league, co-led the league in tackles for loss with 21. 
Nick Bosa did while getting double teamed and dealing with chips at a higher rate than just about anyone else. That is a resume of like a top three edge rusher this year, right? 15 and a half sacks, lead the league in tackles for loss while getting double teamed all the time. That is just such an elite season. And what is the quarterback equivalent of that year? I mean, you'd be an MVP candidate if you were a quarterback and you would be no doubt comeback player of the year if the, if like you transfer those numbers to like the quarterback equivalent of those numbers. Nick Bosa had an elite season. So Nick Bosa, I don't think everything has to be a quarterback award. Um, I don't think like positional value should come into play here. I don't think severity of injury comes into play for me a whole lot just because I, I think that's just a weird thing to give it an award for. The case of Alex Smith, I think was a kind of a special one, but you know, I don't want to argue was Dak's injury worse or Burrow's injury worse. You know, it, they they both sucked. <laughs> they both looked really painful. All right, I'm not gonna get in a get in an argument about whose injury was worse. I would rather have an argument about whose season was better. So that's why I'm giving it to Nick Bosa for comeback player of the year. But continuing to move on, I will go with offensive player of the year. You know, I, I think that maybe you can have a spirited debate between uh, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, but. At the end of the day, it's it's Cup. I also might shout out Trent Williams. He was elite this whole year, and a lineman will never win it. But uh, I got to give Cooper Cup the, the crown for the triple crown. It's rare that it happens. All right. Steve Smith did it in, I think, 2005. That was the last time we saw someone lead the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. And I feel a little bit bad because I, I kind of started a Cooper Cup overrated narrative. That was kind of my bad. And to some extent, I, I don't view him in the same light as I do maybe like Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Adams. Those are kind of my tier one wide receivers. But after those guys, I don't really care where you rank up. If you want to put them right after those guys, like there's a tier two and he's at the top of that. And yes, a lot of his numbers came on linebackers. A lot of his numbers came on safeties in, in the slot. A lot of his numbers came out of the backfield and all the linebackers in their zones dropped way back and then he was just hit underneath. But he also created a lot of explosives for that offense. He also caught a ton of passes deep down the field. He also didn't like drop a pass all year. The dude caught everything coming to him. And it's it's more impressive than maybe it initially looks. And that's something I kind of rationaled with is like, you know, learning an offense is hard. Learning a position is hard. And Cooper Cup has got to know blocking schemes. He's got to know, you know, how to run routes out of the backfield. He's got to know what his assignment is from... The, from from all sorts of positions. And I couldn't learn it. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys wouldn't want to do that. A lot of wide receivers couldn't know all that, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's a big task to tackle that kind of role. And just the mental aspect of, of memorizing all that and knowing all that. And, you know, I think of the quote that Matthew Stafford said, it's like, his body language is is the best I've played with, right? Where you're, if you're in the slot, sometimes you get to make decisions yourself. It's like, do I settle down in zone right now or do I keep running away from the man defender? And how do I communicate subtly with my quarterback that that's what I'm doing? How do I get that repertoire? Or if I have an option to keep going straight or cut it inside, do I make that decision seamlessly and and just get the timing right every single time? And Cooper Cup does that every single time. And he he subtly indicates to Stafford where he is going to go. And it just gives Stafford such a great security blanket because Cup gets to choose and Cup always chose right. And this is the season you get from that. And he caught everything. He made he maximized every single opportunity. So his season, even though it was on linebackers, was impressive. And I'm not going to deny him offensive player of the year. 
uh, based on, you know, oh, his, his role wasn't quite as impressive. And uh, I'm kind of walking back on that anyway. So Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year. Crazy, crazy year for Depoy. All right. Robert Quinn did not get a smidgen of hype this year. He had 18 and a half sacks and was not even like considered for the award. That's how good it was. Look, I've heard valiant arguments made for Miles Garrett from the PFF, you know, side of things. I've heard of, well, they started pushing Aaron Donald. I've heard valiant arguments for Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and DJ Watt. All those guys had phenomenal seasons. All those guys were just nightmares to defend all year. Trayvon Diggs even, I mean, he didn't deserve it at all, but 11 interceptions is crazy for a cornerback. That also happened this year. So it was just a crazy year for defensive statistics and the award could have gone a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, if you get 22 and a half sacks and tie a record as important and prestigious as the single season sack record, it would be hard to justify giving it to anyone else in the future. Imagine someone in the year 2035 looking back and being like, man, TJ Watt, what a season that was. He played 15 games and had tied that sack record. That's still standing. And imagine being like, oh yeah, no, he didn't get deep boy that year. No, we gave it to Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald, uh, he won faster. The shoulder pads in his chips gave him a higher pass rush win rate. So, sorry, TJ. It's it's going to it's going to Aaron Donald. PFF gets to pick the winner every year. He's the best player every year. Every year is just a Donald Depoy. Doesn't check out to me. Doesn't compute to me. Yes, Donald is the best defensive player in football, and I've been saying it for a long time. The best defensive player ever, potentially. I mean, he's as dominant as any football player has ever been, ever. Jerry, like to be the best every single freaking year is a Jerry Rice type of run that he's on. And if it was just best defensive player in football award, I'd have no problem giving it to Aaron Donald, but it just, I, I just don't want it to go to Aaron Donald every single season. And it might be a little bit unfair that he has kind of his own set of standards. And this was like almost like an average Aaron Donald year, whereas TJ Watt, you know, broke or tied this record in 15 games. So Aaron Donald, I, I get it. I truly do if that's your guy, but it's like, I, I just don't think you can justify it with like pass, like in the future, are you going to be like, oh, double teams, oh, pass rush win rate, the shoulder pad chips. It's it's just the sacks are just a classic record. It's a good classic record. So that's why TJ Watts, my defensive player of the year, you know, pressure rate. It's cool. It's a good stat for, I think, predicting future success. If someone has a really good pressure rate and a low sack rate like Max Crosby this year, um, that's still a really big deal to me. And I really know that Max Crosby lit it up this year. But at the end of the day, like eight sacks does not make you, you know, defensive player of the year. Like you just need a little bit more production than that. Not to say you weren't incredibly valuable or it's not a useful stat. It is. But in terms of awards, you know, a feat like the sack record is just too rare not to reward. And shout out Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons as well. I'm not going to individually go over everybody, but TJ Watt, basically. And then my rail against using advanced analytics in uh, award races. One more thing, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm going on a tangent right now, but like when someone is inducted into the Hall of Fame in 10 years, are they going to be like, his EPA was this, uh, Cooper Cup, remember when his DVOA was this, or Aaron Donald, his pass rush win rate was this? I, I just don't think that's going to be happening. I think, I think accolades is always going to be kind of determined by your counting stats. And I don't hate that either. I don't hate it. The players like the players care about counting stats. That's what they're trying to achieve. 
and the advanced stats are kind of a byproduct of that a little bit more. So like imagine explaining to a player, it's like, oh, sorry, dude, I know you had, anyway, I'm on a tangent right now. I will move on, TJ Depoy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. All right, so that's Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, the big award. To me, it comes down to Rodgers and Brady, and I can see really good arguments for both of them. Um, a co-MVP would not anger me if it both comes in at the same thing. I I really do see the, see the vision with both. Rodgers, to me, is playing at a little bit more of an irreplaceable style and game right now. I, I think if Rodgers got hurt and we saw Jordan Love for the whole year, the Packers would kind of be trash. They would kind of be trash without Aaron Aaron Rodgers. And they have a really talented team. Their defense at all the levels are is good this year. Um, Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver football. They have a really good running back to go. But this is the thing with MVP. Every MVP candidate kind of has a stacked team. That's how it works, unless you're Cam Newton in 2015. Like, it takes two to tango. To have really good passing numbers, you need a really good wide receiver. You need Tyree Kill. You need Rob Gronkowski. You need you need someone awesome. All right, to to be you need an elite coach. You need some. You, you, you no one does it by themselves. No one actually. It's such a team sport. No one actually carries their team alone. It really does not happen in the NFL. So the stacked team argument, I, I, it comes into play a little bit. Rodgers' team would suck without him. I don't know. Like As far as that goes, taking Rodgers away from the Packers would, would leave me less confident than just about any te- like quarterback getting taken away from their team. Even Mahomes with, with Andy Reid, even Brady. I, I just think Jordan Love is not it. Uh, and, and like Jordan Love almost threw as many picks as Rodgers did this year. And Jordan Love played like a couple drives. <laughs> All right. So in that, in terms of value there, uh, like the irreplaceable measure, it's like, oh, if he was hurt, I know it's a hypothetical, but I really do believe that like they're the one seed with Rogers and they probably don't lose a division without him, but they're not making the playoffs. They're not even the seventh seed with Jordan Love, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, Jordan. And we saw it happen in the Chiefs game. And he, and he, like Kyler Murray got hurt, right? Kyler Murray got hurt and Colt McCoy won, came in and won two games. Brady's play style was very dink and dunk. And it always is. But this year, especially so to the point where he wasn't even really good or efficient throwing it down the field. 
Like you look at his, his, the next gen stats chart on him and the throwing zones. It's really good from zero to 10 yards and just straight up bad beyond that. His accuracy beyond 10 yards this year. I mean, I looked it up. It's like 55%. That puts him below Jared Goff and above like Taylor Heineke and Trevor Lawrence. He was just not an elite player pushing the ball down the field this year. He wasn't. And he put up great numbers anyway. Uh, but I, I feel like that's a little bit more of a replaceable style. And if he were to go down, there were more, the Bucks would win more games than, than Rodgers, who was just lighting it up down the field, super efficient in all areas. And, and his team was a little bit worse than Brady's team. Like you look at the Packers offensive line and you've got Bakhtiari missing the entire year, pretty much. Pro Bowl, guard, Elton Jenkins, tackle. He plays everything. He's played every position on the offensive line. Torn ACL. You've got Yash Nyman, right, starting at left tackle. There's some nobodies, some rookies. Josh Myers, the, the good rookie center, got hurt. Injuries all along the offensive line and it just didn't seem to matter. And a lot of that is on the Packers, you know, run game coordinator and their offensive line coach. You know, it's a team effort, right? Like I said, but that those losses would be felt so much more if Rodgers didn't get the ball out so fast and set the protection so well. And and he overcame a lot of injuries on that offensive line, dude, and was still, you know, elite, you know, and Brady dealt with his share of injuries, too. Right. The, the, you, you lost Chris Godwin at the end. Antonio Brown missed a, lo a large chunk of the season, but you know, you still got three pro bowlers on that line healthy the whole time. You still got Mike Evans healthy the whole time. Uh, you still got Chris Godwin healthy most of the year. Gronk played really well. Uh, I mean, Rogers, you know, Tunyon got hurt. The offensive line got hurt. Adams missed a game. I mean, he was thrown to like Lazard as wide receiver one and they won that game. I just think he made everything run so smoothly this year. And beyond that week one de debacle, pretty much, I don't know how you ask him to play more flawless football. He just simply did not turn the football over and was still making just high level throw after high level throw. It's not like he plays really safe with the ball. I mean, he puts it in harm's way all the time and he still doesn't throw picks. And that's his, his the case the whole career with Rodgers. It's amazing. So that's why I give it to Rodgers. Um, Brady, if you look at like counting stats, yes. And even some efficiency stats, Brady's got an edge. I, and I, if you gave it, if it, if Brady ends up being the MVP, would not be mad at it. I see it. I see the argument there. You can make it. Um, but for me, I think Rodgers is the most irreplaceable guy in football this year, last year, and honestly, <laughs> kind of every year for the Green Bay Packers. I don't, I, as good as that roster is, I still don't really trust them without Rodgers. And I, I think that showed when Love played in the games. So those are all my award picks. I hope that you don't disagree too vehemently. And if you do, uh, be sure to leave lots of comments about how much you disagree. Lots of comments. Boost that engagement. I'll shamelessly say it. If you hate this list, please, please get very mad. Uh, but hopefully you don't. I really do. These really aren't my picks. I'm not saying anything crazy for engagement here. So yeah, those are the picks. I enjoyed giving them. I enjoyed watching this year. Great year. I mean, the stats for so many guys were so, we saw a lot of high level football this year, um, like with the triple crown and the sack record and two just insanely good rookies, just a lot of high level football this year. I loved watching it. Anyway, that does it for the first video. Thank you all for watching and I'll be back with another one soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome.
to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nady Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.